You're listening to The Spiritual Awakening Show. I'm your host, Brent Spirit, and today I was feeling a little energetically ungrounded and decided to share some of the ways that I like to ground myself. You can visit brentspirit.com for more free content, and you can also find me on YouTube. Enjoy the episode. most common issues that people approach me with looking for my insight and support on is how to stay grounded after going through significant spiritual awakening and experiences. So today I want to speak a little bit about what this all means and I also want to share a few of the ways in which I actively ground myself after having gone through my own significant spiritual awakenings and these are ways that I haven't really talked too much about in my other parts of my work and that I haven't really seen talked about elsewhere in general. So let me talk a little bit about what it means to be grounded, what it means to not be grounded, and give you a basic overview in case you're not familiar with these ideas. So as we walk the spiritual path, we're likely to experience periods where we experience what's called feeling ungrounded. What does being ungrounded mean? Well, it means not experiencing energetic balance across our entire human body system, which means across the entire chakra system. So as you know, there are a series of chakras that begin at our root, at the base of our spine, all the way up to the top of our head, our crown. Now, as we go through different spiritual awakenings, we can have a lot of energy move either from the lower chakras upwards towards our head towards our crown or enter into our crown from the ethers okay and so when there's a lot of energy up in the crown and that energy is not balanced across our entire system across our entire chakra system we can experience being ungrounded and with being ungrounded we can experience some really challenging things we can experience what we may call symptoms and they could be things like feeling loopy. So just having endless cycles of the same thought or the same series of thoughts over and over again, almost as if we can't, we can't stop it. It just, it just keeps going on a loop. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're negative. They could even be positive, but it's like a just ongoing loop of thoughts. We can feel extremely anxious. We can experience physical sensations like being lightheaded. We can experience what's called depersonalization or derealization also known uh, in the abbreviated form of DPDR, uh, which is quite synonymous, if not completely synonymous, with an experience found in the Zen tradition called Zen sickness or emptiness sickness. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. Another symptom or sign that we can experience when we're ungrounded is feeling completely detached from our body, completely detached from the world, almost as if we are witnessing, just observing as like a sort of third party, sort of a bird's eye view of our body, of what's going on around us. This is what happens when we get too much energy up in the head. All of this can start to happen. We get sort of expanded states of awareness and we can get stuck in those states of awareness and just kind of just watch what's happening, feeling as if our body's not our own, as if the world that we're in is not really connected to us. We feel very, very detached, very removed, very distant from it. And that can be pretty cool 
pretty unique and novel, especially if you've never experienced that before. It can be, wow, it's something pretty significant. It can also be pretty relieving if you've been experiencing a lot of difficulty within the body, either dealing with trauma, dealing with illness, um, dealing with abuse. So when you have that spaciousness open up, suddenly you have access and you can kind of find the ultimate escape from the difficulty and suffering in the world and in the body. So it can be quite, quite uh, liberating. But long term, it's not comfortable. It's, it's impossible to operate as a human being in the world feeling ungrounded in this way. So short term, yeah, for some, it can be pretty exciting and, and give you a moment of reprieve from suffering. But long term, it, it, I would say it's, it's definitely a symptom, a challenge, not something to, uh, to aim for. As well, when we're ungrounded, we can also feel without worldly purpose, you know, not really feeling like we have anything to do here, any responsibilities, any, anything to take care of. We can feel disconnected from the people in our lives or relationships. When we've, we've got a partner, we feel very distant. We've got kids, can't really be there for them because we're almost stuck in this spacious ether where there is like uh, more of an emphasis on the formless as opposed to the form, which is in the relative manifest world where we meet other people as human beings in the flesh. So we can almost feel very distant from our relationships. And we can also be prone to what's called spiritual bypassing. So when we're ungrounded, we might have a tendency to use spiritual insights to justify either harming ourselves or another in very obvious ways. For example, you know, you can actively say something mean to each other, to, per to a person and say, oh, it's, it's all God's will. Everything is happening according to destiny. Uh, you know, words are just noise what really matters is the silence so for you know we can use things like that to justify saying mean things to people or we can use spiritual bypassing to justify not taking care of our body ah, the body is just a vessel it's irrelevant i'm detached from it so i can eat junk food or i can not eat or i can uh you know do drugs or or uh you know i don't have to take care of my body in any way it's all spiritual bypassing using spiritual uh ideas and concepts to justify you know, unhealthy behaviors, to put it simply, okay? As well, when we're ungrounded, especially within a spiritual context, we can sometimes be inclined to share incoherent ideas about spirituality. Maybe we've seen tropes of, of these people, um, you know, common trope is like, you know, the, the person on the street shouting about how they're Jesus Christ or, or some incoherent spiritually themed message, but not very clear um and, and uh you know maybe you've had ideas like this you know maybe it's ideas or feelings if you know you want to stand on your roof and tell everybody about spirituality or tell everybody about kundalini awakening and tell everybody that uh you know the chakra system is a real thing or something like that like all these like weird sort of inclinations to share uh ideas about spirituality as well like i've been saying we can also just be inclined to neglect our overall worldly responsibilities in there in the word you know when we're ungrounded we're not on the ground we're not on the earth anything mundane anything worldly it all gets neglected okay and another common issue and it's one that i've dealt with uh, quite a bit over the years uh lately I've, I've got it under control but it's insomnia so when there's a lot of energy up in the head a lot of spiritual energy up in the crown uh it can be very hard to sleep because there's so much activity happening up there it can be very, very hard to sleep to give our body permission to sleep and so today I want to talk a little bit about how we can to mitigate some of these uh, difficult challenges and, and symptoms and signs of being ungrounded. And uh, a little bit more about being ungrounded, I'm going to share with you as well. Just I really want to explain this in, in as clear 
terms as I possibly can because people throw this word around a lot. Oh, be grounded. I'm very grounded. I'm not grounded. This is a very grounding practice, blah, blah, blah. And that's great. But there's not a lot of clear explanation about what that really means. So let me explain a little bit. The chakra system, it can be looked at in many different ways. You can consider that there's some systems will say there's hundreds of chakras. Some say there's only a few. Some say there's seven. That's most common, seven chakras. But today, we're only going to talk about three chakras, just three. That's all you need to know, okay? So we have the root chakra, the base of our spine. We have the heart chakra, center of our chest. And we have the crown chakra, top of our head, okay? So most people, generally speaking, now this is a generalization, most people, human beings throughout the world, their consciousness, their energy, is predominantly in their root chakra. So what this means is that they are living in a very mundane, worldly, earthly, primal, animalistic type of way in which survival is the most important thing. Okay? So root chakra has to do with staying alive, has to do with the most fundamental needs of the organism, staying alive and surviving. Okay? When you're predominantly have your consciousness in the root chakra, you have no sense or interest in spirituality and the divine and transcending the world and transcending the human body and recognizing that you're more than the body and finding, you know, liberation of, of, of the physical world from the physical world. You have no interest in any of that. Okay. And so people that are operating in the root chakra, often they're in some form of fight or flight, right? They're either you know, trying to make sure that they are able to survive in a way that's safe and they don't have to fight people or they're running to find safety and survive. It's all based around survival, fighting uh, or, or fight or flight and that sort of thing or fight or creating a, a situation in which you can relax a little bit, which is, you know, what most people do. You know, we, we go to work to pay for a house just so we have a place where we can feel safe and not be in fight or flight. That's mostly what happens when we're living in the root chakra. Like I said, there's some, these are just generalizations, okay? So when you're abiding in the, in the root chakra, there's a strong sense of separation between oneself and the world. So because of that separation, there's a constant feeling of being threatened. There's other beings, other people, other creatures, other situations out there that may harm me, okay? And so the solutions to those types of fears and challenges is to accumulate resources, and then play offense or defense. Okay, so that's root chakra stuff. Most of us are all familiar with that. I just want to explain it in a way that uh, contextualizes it within the context of, uh, of the spiritual journey, within the context of the other chakras. So when we begin the spiritual journey, we begin to move predominantly out of the root chakra, and we can actually begin to experience some energy, sort of either, like I said, rising from the root up towards the crown or entering from the ethers into our crown. And this is when we begin to experience things like expanded awareness, right? The field of being. We get to experience deep silence, the silence that permeates everything, okay? Maybe there's experiences either temporary or lasting of oneness, feeling connected to all that is, okay? Connection with the divine. We feel a genuine and meaningful and felt relationship with God, right? Not just a belief, but a direct knowing that there is a God and that it it's not separate from us. We feel this, this intimate relationship with God. And that happens up at the crown here. Okay. We can also feel this spaciousness. Like I said, it can be the spaciousness that has like a bit of distance from the body, from the mind. And that spaciousness can be very peaceful, very free, and very liberating. 
You can experience things like, uh, you know, enlightenment experiences, satori experiences, maybe in meditation, we call it samadhi. We can experience all that kind of stuff once, once the crown begins to become a bit more active and the energy moves from our root up towards our crown, okay? So the thing is, though, what happens is if we're only got our energy mostly up in the crown and we don't have a lot in the root, what happens is we become ungrounded. And that's when we experience all those challenges, like I mentioned, such as, you know, feeling detached, depersonalization, Zen sickness, you know, we maybe start rambling about spiritual things in an incoherent way, neglecting our worldly responsibilities, and so on. So in essence, it is the complete opposite of somebody living predominantly in the root chakra in a state of fear as, as an animal. Now you're up in the crown in a state of total detachment as if you're just a spiritual being when in reality you've got a human body here and balance needs to be found and so the aim of the spiritual journey is to find balance in the heart center okay right here in the middle in the seven chakra system we've got the heart center there's three chakras above three chakras below so the heart is the center and that's where we want to really find ourselves right we don't want to be too much in the root we also don't want to be too much in the crown we want to be in the in the heart center here living as spiritual human beings in an integrated and embodied way okay so this is what it means when somebody says you know i'm i'm integrating my spiritual realizations or i'm doing my best to embody it or we may look at somebody and we may feel that they're very embodied their spirituality is embodied it's because it's in their body it's not just up in their mind in their crown it's not just something they know something in their body, in their heart, okay? And from being in the heart, this is where the journey is, for the most part, comfortable. We can experience a stable sense of peace. We're not in fight or flight in the root. We're also not feeling this discomfort from being overly detached from the world, okay? So the entire system is energetically balanced. And that's what it means to be grounded, to be energetically balanced, okay? So I was speaking a little bit about Zen sickness, also called emptiness sickness. I like to think that it's synonymous with the terms from psychology, which are depersonalization and derealization. Now, maybe you've experienced it, maybe you haven't. Uh, in short, like I said, you feel detached from the body, detached from the mind, detached from the world, detached from yourself. The world can, can seem like you're living in a movie, can seem like you're living in a dream. And this can be brought on through spiritual practices, contemplation, um, fasting, uh, drug use as well. So Zen, like I said, Zen sickness, that's what they term, that's what they call it. So there's a character, a real person, uh, a Zen master by the name of Hakuin, and he is one of the most famous cases of somebody experiencing this. And I think it was actually him who called it Zen sickness. And so I've got a book here that I'm going to read a little bit. It's a very short uh, passage. It's called Mystics, Masters, Saints, and Sages, Stories of Enlightenment. And uh, the foreword is by His Holiness, the Dalai Lama. It's, uh, I guess, put together, written by Robert Ullman and Judith Reichenberg Ullman. It's got many different stories of some great, great figures and their awakening stories. Uh, this is a thrift store find this book. So uh, that's, uh, that's my hobby, going to the thrift store, finding really great books. So this is a great find here. So I'll read this passage about Hakuin and when he and, and his description and his actually his solution to feeling ungrounded, to Zen sickness and emptiness sickness. 
Known for his simplicity and great asceticism, Hackman persevered despite all obstacles. At one point, his severe austerity left him with a severe illness and weakness that he termed Zen sickness. Ultimately, he found an old mountain hermit master who taught him a meditation in which he visualized a golden lump of melting butter permeating his body, bringing softness, warmth, and nourishment to heal the ravages of too much Zen practiced. He was promptly cured. So too much Zen practice. Believe it or not, that is a thing. There is such a thing as too much meditation, too much energy up in the crown. When that happens, like I've been saying, we can just become totally detached from the body. And so even the Zen folk have acknowledged this idea of not being grounded. And they've called it Zen sickness. And the solution is what? Imagining melting butter on the top of your head, descending and permeating every aspect of your entire system, which is like I said, it's balancing the energy out across your body. Okay. So that's one of the practices that I do to keep myself grounded in the, the, the odd time that I feel ungrounded. I just allow that energy to go across my whole body. I don't let it pool up in the head. And so that's one practice, but there are many, and I'm going to share a few with you uh, about how to ground yourself. So I've actually written a short, it's about 20 pages. It's completely free. It's an ebook. It's also the audiobook version there. Uh, it's called the No Nonsense Grounding Guide, Principles and Practices for Staying Energetically Grounded. Now it's completely free. It's on my website, brentspirit.com. I wrote this book because like I said, this is the most common issue that people approach me about. It's one of them. And it's something that I've had to deal with like very, very directly over the past more than a decade and a half on my journey. Okay. So it's, it's very close to my heart. It's something that I, I've, I've uh, dealt with as well. And so it's, it's a, it's just, I feel obligated to share what I know about it because so many people suffer. I think even Pulsum alone, the, uh, the famous uh, hip-hop artist, I was listening to like some random talk, or, like some random clip, and he said that he smoked weed and he thinks it was laced, and ever since then he's been feeling like he's in a movie. And then uh, after like some time, like a significant amount of time, somebody mentioned the word depersonalization and described the experience, and he said, oh my God, that's what I've been dealing with. So there's, I mean, he's just a, he's a celebrity example, but there's tons of people that are dealing with this, don't know the solution, the field of psychology, doctors, et cetera, don't really know what the solution is because they don't really honor and, and recognize the energetics of the body. They don't understand things like what I'm saying here, like too much Zen practice, too much meditation. They don't understand the adverse effects of meditation because most of these doctors, people don't even meditate themselves. So a lot of people struggle and suffer and they don't really have a clue what's happening. When this first was happening to me, I was just blessed. I've always been blessed by grace and synchronicity to find solutions rather quickly. But I was in a course in university and I was studying Buddhism. And it was a general Buddhism course, Intro to Buddhism. And um, I was doing my own practice, my own intense meditation practice at the time. And I had suddenly experienced a, a very significant opening of the crown chakra and all this energy pooled in. And I just felt like I've been describing, and I know I've been saying this over and over again, but I felt completely detached, completely disconnected from my body and from the world. 
and it was a cool experience. It was novel, but absolutely freaky, like absolutely horrifying because I realized, you know, I felt like I was in a dream and I realized I couldn't relate with anybody. And it was like I was shouting, uh, like it was like I was, there was this great distance between myself and the world and other people. And it was like I was shouting at them even though I was talking because it felt like they were so far away. Very, very scary, spooky experience, very ungrounded. And uh, so I'm in this Buddhism course and I'm very, very dedicated to my spiritual practice. Not the best student by any means. Didn't do any of the readings. And for some reason, I just picked up the book and I opened to a random page and I saw the word, you know, Zen sickness. And I read a little bit and it said, you know, sometimes monks, they meditate too much and they experience Zen sickness where they feel detached, uh, stuck in emptiness, stuck in the void, uh, very ungrounded. And I said, oh my gosh, this is happening to me. This is what's happening to me. And I thought, okay, I'll go to my professor and, and my professor will be able to help me. And this is a, a person who specialized in, in Buddhism studies, you know, PhD professor, decades of experience teaching this stuff. I approach her and I say, you know, and, and I'm completely ungrounded in, the, in this point. I'm completely detached. Uh, I approached her at the end of the lecture and I said, I'm experiencing Zen sickness, emptiness sickness, like what they've talked about in this chapter. I need help. And she looks at me and says, oh, I can't help you. I don't practice any of this. I just study it and teach it. And I felt absolutely betrayed and abandoned and alone because I thought I had come to a, somebody who was able to help me. And I was just so disappointed that I was learning about all this stuff from somebody who doesn't practice it, who's not living the experience. And that's the... The, uh, the issue I have with people that get too attached to intellectual understanding as opposed to direct experience, and I digress. But that was a little bit about my experience with Zen sickness. That's how I came to understand it. And eventually, I, I was able to ground myself through recognizing that I can't be in that state all the time, that that can't be the enlightenment. Sometimes these experiences can feel like enlightenment because it's such a significant shift. But I recognize it can't be it because I don't feel comfortable. Started to do a lot of just practices of getting back in the body share a little bit about that with you right now. So the book, The No-Nonsense Grounding Guide, it covers all of this uh, in more detail, more clear. I know I'm a little bit all over the place right now. Maybe I'm feeling a little ungrounded uh, and maybe that's coming through here. So I'm going to you know, go and, and do some of the practices that I'm going to mention to you uh, once I'm done this talk. But I highly recommend that you check out my book, The No-Nonsense Grounding Guide. It's completely free. I'm, I'm not even uh, trying to like push it on you for your money or anything. It's completely free. And so uh, here are some things that I've that I do to ground myself that I've not mentioned in the book. And that's why I'm talking about them here today. So firstly, I eat meat. So I eat a steak practically every day. Cap on. So nice and fatty. And this keeps my body from floating off into the ethers. So it gives my stomach something to digest which keeps my energy within my body instead of excessively going up to my crown. So eating meat, it's it just, it, it's the number one thing that I do for myself and my body. My body likes it. It feels good. Okay. So a high protein, high fat diet helps with staying grounded. Having something dense in your stomach helps you to stay grounded. Okay. So I know that there are spiritual ideas out there about not eating meat. I get it. 
I've experimented with all kinds of diets myself. My my intuition, my guidance, my body, my spirit has asked for different diets at times, and I've honored that and experienced the benefits of that. So I'm not here to say one diet is better than the other, but I'm also here to say that eating meat is, should not be completely dismissed as if it's not spiritual, okay? Many spiritual masters have eaten meat, okay? If you like Eckhart Tolle, he eats meat. I mentioned the Dalai Lama today. He wrote the foreword for this book. Dalai Lama eats meat. Jesus ate meat. The Buddha ate meat. So, you know, basic reasoning would tell you that eating meat doesn't prevent you from abiding in a very high state of enlightened consciousness, okay? Moreover, I've used my own system as a science lab. For three months, I ate nothing but red meat and salt and drank only water, okay? And I felt great overall. I continued to have significant spiritual experiences and phenomena, and I was still able to go very deep into meditation. I felt very grounded, human, in the body, in the world. Felt amazing, okay? God didn't smite me because I was eating meat. I didn't feel this, like, intense guilt uh, for doing so. I didn't have any spiritual messaging inwardly telling me, you know, stop eating meat or it's not good or anything. My body, my spirit, my guides, my kundalini was very much in alignment with this diet that I was on, okay? Later on, after some time, I reintroduced carbs again. I've, I found that, you know, eating just meat wasn't the best long-term solution for me and, and optimizing my own health, but it was an interesting experiment. And... Um, it, it had to do with, with multiple things. I was also addressing some, some health issues. But from the spiritual angle, I didn't, you know, go back to sleep. You know, like I said, God didn't smite me. Animals, they're perfectly grounded on an energetic sense, okay? So they don't get caught up in all these wacky spiritual ideas like we do. And so when we eat meat from an animal, animal protein, we benefit from their innate groundedness on an energetic level. Okay, so when it comes to food, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it a little right now is a little bit ungrounded. And this whole weekend, actually, I haven't uh, eaten much at all. And mostly it's been like plant-based protein. I've gone to a f couple vegan restaurants, uh, just trying new food. And so I haven't eaten much in a caloric uh, way and it hasn't been my normal plant uh, my normal meat-based protein and so even right now I'm feeling a little a little ungrounded I have self-awareness of that which is important um, but what's interesting is that when I'm a little ungrounded and there's a lot going up in my crown that's when creativity gets a little bit more exciting, a little bit the full access to the flow is a little bit more easy. Channeling is a little bit more easy and that sort of thing. So there are some benefits to it, but you want to approach it with care, with mindfulness. And like I said, like when I'm done this talk here, I'm going to go and get some food in my stomach, move my body a little bit. Okay. And so that's the way that you should approach your energetic condition, knowing that you're not going to always be perfectly grounded at all times. 
It's being mindful and knowing, oh, I'm not really grounded right now. Why is that? Oh, well, I didn't really eat what I normally should eat. Okay. I've been meditating a little too much. Okay. Cut back a little bit. Not really grounded right now. Okay. What can I do? So that's kind of my approach. All right. So you take it like a dance, an ongoing dance. It's important to have understanding. It's when we don't have understanding that then we start just letting the energetic instability almost take over us. And that's when, you know, you end up hearing about people, you know, running around in the street talking about, you know, how they're Jesus Christ or enlightened and then their family gets really concerned and sends them to the hospital. And, and you know, now they're wondering, you know, you know, what happened? Okay. So, so awareness is very, very important. So the next thing that I do is very, very important is that I exercise two or three times a week. So I lift weights, heavy, but not too, too heavy. So I used to power lift a few years ago. I was lifting like heavy as I possibly could, constantly adding on more weight, deadlifting, squatting. So that was really, really incredible to get me right in deep in my body, really grounded, awesome practice um, to sort of uh, push your body and see how strong you can get. A lot of great benefits from it. Um, lately, I, I've moved away from that. I just lift heavy, not too heavy, but enough to push myself. Push myself. Within the fitness world, they call it progressive overload. So, you know, constantly adding a little bit more weight, pushing my body, okay? Now, in my workout routines, I make sure that I, I hit my legs. The reason for this is that I want to bring awareness to the lower half of my body. I don't want to just be this spiritual spiritual guy up in the crown. I want to also acknowledge and honor the spirituality in my legs. I know it sounds super weird, but for real, honoring the spirituality in my leg, honoring the energy, the divine consciousness of my legs, of my lower body, of my feet. Okay, so I hit legs, brings my awareness there, brings my attention there. Very, very grounding. I, 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 I recommend even if you're feeling ungrounded, you know, you're not able to get to a gym or something, you know, uh, doing some sort of lunges or, or wall squats, something like that very, very, very useful. Okay. So throughout my spiritual journey, spirituality has made me neglect my body at times. So I've had experiences where I've realized very, very deeply that, you know, I'm not this body. That it's just a meat suit. And I found ineffable peace and bliss in meditation, leaving my body. But long term, I realized, you know, it's not just a meat suit. It's not always oh, just the body. It's not just a vehicle. The body is as divine as anything else, right? So root chakra in the higher perspective is as spiritual as the crown chakra. Legs, as spiritual as the top of my head, as my third eye, whatever you want to call it. It's all spiritual, equally so, okay? So understanding that, being willing to exercise and struggle and sweat and push my body a little bit has been so beneficial for helping me to stay grounded as well. Even going to the gym and when I would power lift, I would lift quite literally as much as I possibly could, not a pound less. And so there were times where I would lift and I would fail that lift like it was physically impossible to lift it. Not that I was like scared. I was literally physically not able to lift it. And so that sort of experience is humbling. It's 
it's grounding to fail as well in this way, a controlled failure. Because knowing that I was failing meant that I'm not playing below the level that I'm capable of. I'm still pushing. So these ideas you know, really brought me into the body, really brought me into the world to fail because they're things that aren't really talked about much in spirituality, right? We're not talk, we don't talk about failing or like pushing yourself and, and like, and, and, and that sort of thing. It's all about, you know, surrender and relaxation and that sort of thing. And, and I get all that. I, I share those ideas as well. It's very, very important, but we want to balance it. All right. So within the gym is, is a great place to fail. I also spend some time in the sauna. I take cold showers as well. These are more ways that I challenge my body. I get out of my head, come right into the body and experience either the heat, the sweat, experience the cold, experience my heart racing, uh, the adrenaline rush, experience the way that my, my, my skin tightens under the cold shower, all this type of thing. It gets me out of my head, into the body, honoring the ways in which the body is, is able to navigate you know, extreme differences in temperature all of a sudden. It's very, very exciting stuff. In the warmer months as well, I'll spend time outside, I'll spend time in the sun, giving my body some sun, honoring the way that the, feel, the sun feels on my skin, vitamin D, all that kind of stuff. Spend time in nature as well. All of this very, very grounding things. It, it helps so much, especially if you're, you know, meditating a lot, leaving your body. Uh, I was spending a lot of time and energy up in the crown chakra and, and spacious awareness. All of these things, very, very important, come back into the body. As well, another interesting thing that I haven't seen many people talk about is I keep track of my money, keep track of my finances. So in Sanskrit, the root chakra is called the muladhara. Right, like we've been talking about, has to do with survival, right? Has to do with having shelter, which is, of course, all related to money. Okay, so muladhara, mula, money. That's where we get these words from, right? So it has to do with survival. So sometimes on the spiritual journey, we can get ideas of you know non-attachment, and we can get ideas of, or we can have experiences of where we're, we've overcome greed, or we've overcome some desire. Or we realize that accumulation of certain things in the future, like money, aren't ever going to fulfill us. And what happens is then suddenly we may label money as something sinful or something dirty or evil or something with, you know, it's going to give us bad karma or something that we should avoid. Okay. And then we can get ideas. You know, when we're very on ground, we get all these ideas. Oh, I want to live off in the forest. I want to live off grid, you know, just build a hut. And, you know, maybe it's we, well, one day we'll be in an, a utopia where we'll just barter and that'll be our way of exchange. And these are nice ideas to contemplate. Sounds cool, but let's be real. In practice, very, very difficult. Probably never going to happen, okay? So if we become too averse to this idea of money, we start to see it as something dirty and we get too attached to the spiritual hippie ideas, once again, we can become ungrounded. And when we're ungrounded and from and we're disconnected from, you know, the means to survive, then we neglect our responsibilities. Maybe we quit our job and now we're just like wandering. And at the same time, we're wandering and we're rambling about spiritual things and it's incoherent. And maybe we're neglecting our body. We're not really eating much. Why? Because maybe we don't have any food. And so you see all these things start to blend and into each other, all these ideas of being ungrounded, right? And so I've, I've been there, you know, I've spent a few years just manifesting my way through life, you know, circumnavigating this idea of having to spend and earn money altogether. You know, I would just manifest an opportunity or manifest, 
a way to exchange some of my skills for something else. It was just, you know, money was, was out of the question. And that was fun, but it wasn't fully sustainable because, I, like I said, I wasn't grounded. I was like a leaf in the wind. Okay. So now I make sure that I don't neglect my finances, which means that I'm aware of my saving, my spending, my investing, I'm aware of where my money is, aware of my moolah, okay? Aware of these means to survive my resources, not in a greedy way, not in an attached way, not in this like, you know, go and get more and more money and just accumulate it, but in a responsible way, okay? A responsible way that honors the context in which I have incarnated into in this life, in this society, where money is a very important means that society uses to function. And I want to honor this incarnation, right? If the universe wanted me to live in a time where money uh, wasn't necessary or wasn't didn't exist, then I would have been incarnated into one of those contexts. Maybe I would have been a monk with a begging bowl, right? Have no no possessions, just beg with the bowl. People have food in the bowl. They put money in the bowl. I keep that, whatever it is, right? Maybe I would have been incarnated in a time where you know money didn't exist. People were just bartering, you know, for supplies and food and stuff like that. But I'm here in the West talking to you on the internet and all this costs money. And so we have to honor that. So that's why I honor my ULA. Okay. As well, I enjoy making purchases with cash. So what this means to me is, you know, holding physical money. Okay. That is a grounding reminder that I'm making a physical exchange of energy here. Right. So I did something to earn this physical cash and now I'm exchanging that for something else. OK, so that keeps me grounded in the world. It reminds me of the whole process, which has to do with being in a body. OK, so today I'm sure, you know, everything is digital. You know, we can spend money, we can earn money and have, you know, no proof of it, really. Like we don't need to see any proof. Right. I can go to work. Somebody will pay me. I don't have to even check my bank account and then I can go to the store and tap a card and I have no idea whether any of the money is actually coming or going, right? Completely disconnected from the relationship between doing the work and, and making the, uh, the purchase, for example, okay? So all of this can make us feel ungrounded. It can make us feel disconnected from the need to have resources for survival, make us feel disconnected from the root chakra. And especially if we are spiritual people, like our energy is already way up here. So we just get solely disconnected from the worldly, the worldly things. And I think money is a great avenue to get right into it, right into it. So before, like I said, prior to money, people were just exchanging goods. From there, it became exchanging valuable things from the earth, like gold, like silver. Okay. Now what do we do? We exchange credit, we exchange debt. If you look into it, none of this, is, it really exists. It's just made up. It's just numbers made up. There's no physical grounded substance there to back any of this debt. And so once again, we're completely disconnected from the earth, disconnected from the physical world, even through money, which some would say is like, you know, the most worldly thing, but even that has become ethereal, right? So I earn my money as well by using my body, using my hands, using my skills, getting a little stressed out, feeling a little cortisol in my system, maybe losing a bit of sleep, that sort of thing. This also keeps me grounded as well. So keep in mind, you know, if your job isn't physical, it's not very demanding. That's great. That's great. You can, you know, you can have great well-being from that. But that also means that you should probably make an effort to incorporate some more recreational physical activities too, okay? Like I mentioned, 
exercising, lifting weights, maybe just walking in nature, whatever it is, gardening, building, okay? Another way that I keep grounded is by being around grounded people. So I don't really talk about spiritual hippie stuff in my personal life at all. Lately, it's been virtually never. And this whole spiritual stuff is pretty much limited to my online life, online character, which is, this is a character of Brent spirit, okay? So in my personal life, I speak about worldly matters with worldly people. You know, of course, I, I don't mean this in a, condescend, a condescending way about the people that I'm calling worldly. I mean that I relate with other people as human beings, having worldly experiences. So we talk about worldly things, work, the latest news, politics. We crack jokes, right? We'll share a meal, do a physical activity together, okay? So I don't like talk about just spiritual stuff with people. I, I actively avoid it to make sure that I stay grounded, okay? I used to talk only about spiritual stuff and I would almost I would I would actively avoid people who weren't into spiritual stuff and I would only talk to people who were meditators and I would talk we would talk about meditation and all these all of our weird experiences and it was fun and useful for a time but eventually like I just kept floating off into the ethers like I kept leaving my body and floating around and there was nobody around to ground me so that's when I recognized the community, the people around me will, will serve to ground me. They don't have to even know that they're doing this, but they'll do that. So I have like, you know, sometimes I, I don't drink, but I would go and I'd spend time with friends who like to drink and party. And I would be reminded that, you know, I'm a human being because alcohol is a very, very grounding substance. And uh, that reminded me not to make spirituality and all this awareness, consciousness, fluffy stuff. The sole reason that I'm here. Be in the heart be a human being, be in the world, integrate my spiritual realizations into Brent as a human being. So that was my intention. So that's why I would spend time with all these different people. And I, and I still do. So those are a few of the things that I do to stay grounded that I haven't discussed too much before. Overall, the general idea is simple. Get back in your body. Recognize that the material world is just as divine as spacious consciousness, just as divine as pure being, as awareness, as the self, right? All of it is divine, not just the ethereal, mystical stuff. So that's my message for you today. I hope it has been meaningful for you. I know that it's, it's been a, a bit of a rambling, uh, a rambling episode. I was inspired to give this talk feeling a little ungrounded today so you can get a little bit of a feel for what i'm talking about i think just from my energy alone so let me know what you think if you have any practice that you engage in to stay grounded yourself leave a comment below i'd love to hear what your unique practices are if you have any feedback about this episode you disagree let me know like i said check out the free ebook on my website it's called the no nonsense grounding guide really it's no nonsense it's straight to the point it addresses all of this stuff uh, it's totally free. It's on my website. If you have any questions about your spiritual awakening journey, your Kundalini process, if you'd like to find out about meeting with me one-on-one, -on -one, if you'd like to support me in this work by making a, don a donation, you can visit brentspirit.com. Thank you so much for listening to me today. I appreciate your attention. And until next time, much love and peace.